Welcome to the Midnight Queso Podcast. I'm Tessa. I'm Square Not. And today we're going to talk about humanitarian travel. Yeah, so I mean that might sound kind of boring, but it actually <laughs> is uh, kind of the next step in your travel. There's a lot of people that like to do humanitarian work and uh, like to go to different places. And so Tessa and I both have had kind of extensive experience with it. So That had to remind me what mine was. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't consider mine humanitarian. So we're, we're going to kind of talk about that and, uh, and maybe give you some hints, tell you some of our experiences. And give you some hints of uh, of about uh, humanitarian that might be useful, and some things to avoid, and also some places where maybe you can search for for the group that you want to do. So yeah, why don't you start us off? What is some of your humanitarian travel? Well, I'll kind of I'll kind of give a back background. So uh, when I got into travel medicine, a lot of the people in travel medicine do humanitarian work. Uh, a lot of the doctors and that travel all over the world. And I learned some things. Um, most people don't know in Europe, If when you graduate from the equivalent of high school in Europe, you're kind of expected to take a year off. And some of the, uh, some of the 18, 19 year olds will go just tour the world or whatever. But a lot of them are kind of expected to do it, to do a year of Mediterranean. And for Europe, most of that is in Africa. So they go, so there's places in the world where they go and uh, spend a year helping refugees or helping uh, do things with different groups in, uh, in Africa, Western Africa or Egypt or places like that. And there's literally millions and millions of um, 18 and 19 year olds that do that every year. They'll go to South America that. And I learned about that. And so I wanted to get involved with some humanitarian. So I got involved with a group that go went to in uh, 2008 that uh, went to Honduras in the southern part of Honduras to a little village uh, called Nakaomi, and we put on medical clinics uh, there to help the people that are poor and that sort of thing. And we started out doing two weeks where we would put in clinics two weeks at a time. Take a couple of days in the middle of the two weeks to do some vacationing. And uh, the difference in humanitarian rather than uh, trips, kind of what you want to do, is that you're kind of extending yourself to a higher risk situation. A lot of times you're going into a situation where you don't have quite as much control as a hotel or that sort of thing, and you're going to help people. The amazing thing with it is, is that you really are able to emerge yourself with the culture. When we're in Honduras on the trip, we're basically kind of Hondurans. You know, we eat the same food they do. We, we're careful to do things, but we're with the people. You're talking with them. You're learning um, about them. You're trying to help them medically get better. Uh, and uh, I find it extremely rewarding um, what type of humanity trips are there? Um, there's anything from helping vi villages in Africa to, um, to just almost anything you can think of. Um, the other type of trip that I've done is I've actually gone to countries to learn a language like Spanish. And I think that 
is in this where you emerge yourself. We went to Central Mexico where we emerged ourselves in a Spanish course, which was stayed with people where they helped us with the Spanish. And so you can speak better when you go to the humanitarian trips. So that's kind of the background of what we've done. Um, why don't you kind of tell about your trips, Tessa, a little bit, and uh, then I can get back to some of my experiences that I've had that are amazing. So, so um, I wanted to travel the world, um, you know, as we had talked about in a previous episode. I love to travel. It didn't scare me. I wanted to live somewhere foreign. Um, so when I graduated from community college, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. So I decided to take some time off and I moved to China for five months and taught little tiny kids. Um, the kids we taught were actually two to five. So they were like very tiny. Um, and it was volunteer. Um, so basically, you know, it was a way for me to live in China for five months for about $3,000. So like it, we did pay for it to a certain extent. And then um, it allowed us, I mean, we got, were able to travel. We had a couple weeks off during that time. We went to Beijing. Um, we went to Yangshuo, which is the place with like those amazing limestone formations. Um, and we ate Chinese food every day that they cooked for us. Um, and, you know, I mean, the, the thing is with stuff like this, we were not teaching um, poor children. Um, you know, we were teaching very wealthy children because that's part of how the program was run. So, yeah, it definitely was like I was a volunteer. Um, but I think that that's part of some of these things is like there's still like enterprises that make money a lot of the time. And um, anyway, but then... But it was a great experience. We loved. I loved the kids. Um, I'm not a teacher, so I didn't like that part. <laughs> There's other people on the trip that I went with um, that are natural born teachers that loved that, and that was a great experience for them. Um, but I got to travel and I got to live in, you know, China, which I never ever would have chosen if it was just me. But um, my good my friend wanted to go, so I was like, "China, great, let's do it." Did you have any restrictions while you were there? Like of where we could go, or yeah, where you could go, or how the, with the Chinese government and stuff. So, yeah, I mean, yes. Um, the thing about China is, is that you're like, I definitely felt watched because I think we were. I think part of it is that they really want Chinese people and particularly the Chinese government really want to appear a certain way and like um, be like they call they have a phrase for it called save face where like everything needs to look a certain way. And you kind of saw that during the Olympics, um, like where they only had certain type of kids that looked a certain way be able to perform and stuff that is so Chinese so yeah I mean I definitely felt like we were watched but in a way that made me feel safer because they didn't want anything to happen to us 
negative. Um, they were obsessed with my hair because it's like kind blondish of red. red. Yeah. And so I got my hair touched all the time. Um, but I loved um, living there. I loved how different it was. I was mostly vegetarian. I lost 50% of my hair. And I'm not even kidding. I lost so much hair because of stress and because of change of diet. And and I think that's pretty normal. Like, I think if you move across the world and do something like that, I mean, it was very stressful. Well, you are working. I mean, that's what's different than this than a vacation is you're you're actually doing something. There's a, there's expectations of most of these humanitarian groups, there's expectations that you that you need to fulfill. Right. You know, you're expected to have certain credentials, and uh, they clear you to get your visa, and so you have to fulfill those obligations. Yeah, and so anyway, I loved I loved it in China, um, and then the next year, so a year after that, I went to Russia, and I actually. Um, with this program, it was called ILP, um, International Language Programs. Basically, if you do it once, you can go again as they call it a head teacher. So you're kind of in charge of the group. So I didn't have to pay for it, but I didn't get paid. I just got like a living stipend. Um, hardest thing I've ever done. Like it was so hard. I'd never been to Russia before, so I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't speak Russian. There was eight of us that I was in charge of, um, but and we lived we lived eight hours south of Moscow in this town called Voronish, um, and it was really really hard, but it was amazing. So I lived there for five months as well, and um, same thing. We taught kids. Um, you teach about half the day, so that was nice. You know, you could still do stuff for half the day. And we went to St. Petersburg, which we went to St. Petersburg in November, and it was amazing. Um, one of my favorite cities ever. Um, but it is like it was it was a struggle. And I, you know, I think about it a lot. Like, I never slept when I was in Russia. I never have a hard time sleeping. But it was so, it was very stressful. Um, but I think about it every day. Like, I, it was a great experience. I got to see a lot of amazing things that I never would have seen. And something about these trips that I think was powerful is I would have, I don't know that I would have picked China and Russia on my own without you know, there being something like this program. Um, like China, I wouldn't have ever just like visited for fun. You know, maybe eventually. Um, but I loved, you know, it was a great, it was a great thing to be able to experience. And I think that's some of these countries that you've gone to is probably similar. Like maybe you wouldn't vacation to Honduras. Yeah, you would. I, there's places in Honduras that you'd vacation, but you wouldn't vacation in the city where we went. I right. mean, you just wouldn't do it. The first trip we went to Honduras, um, it was a two-week trip. We got in the middle of a uh, of a tropical storm. It wasn't quite bad enough to be a hurricane, but it just poured poured uh, rain. And the city, 
is at the base of mountains where three rivers come together and literally uh, half the city was kind of flooded and they were put into the schools. And we worked with the health department that was there and went around and put on clinics to try to help the people that were there. And I remember one particular day we went to this place and they kind of had a bed set up with a mattress and I was in a chair and people were coming in and people had abscesses that I had to open. And it was just really a tough situation. They had, you know, cause they'd been living out of where they were and it was really rewarding helping the people, but I got home and Sander goes, kind of looked at me strange and I was just feeling itchy all over and I had fleas all over me. Oh my gosh. So, so. At, uh, they also got bed bugs from Honduras. Yeah, just, we, we did get bed bugs too. I just want to mention that. Don't so, put your backpacks under your bed. So, you go so, so I took like off that. my clothes and, and they don't have showers there. They have a they have a cistern where they have some water and you use a bucket to kind of clean yourself off. And so I was able to do that and get rid of the fleas. But, but uh, the people were very grateful. I remember... Uh, that one trip, it was the last person that I was seeing for the two weeks. It was a little uh, 88-year-old female lady. She probably weighed about 105 pounds. Uh, I talked to her. She really didn't need much. She just wanted reassured. I gave her some vitamins and and told her that she was on the right medicines. And I said, that's all. You know, there's nothing else. My Spanish isn't really very good, but... She said, just a minute, and she grabbed my hands, and she and she grabbed my hand, and she put it up and kissed my hand and said, thanks be to God that he sent you to our home and our community to help us. And even now, I just cry, you know, because I wasn't doing much. You know, it didn't seem like it wasn't that big a sacrifice for me, but for them— that somebody cared enough to bring supplies and medicines and that to change, that would change them uh, it was a big deal. And I've been able to go nine times to that particular village and seen how the health care has changed because we're working with the local health care. So that's, that's a couple of experiences we had. I know Tessa had experiences that were difficult and rewarding with her groups where she learned a lot. Um, I mean, I think I think one thing to mention is like one of the things that you're kind of expected when you do when you do stuff like this is um, to take supplies. So like when you go on a trip like this, most of the time like you're taking a lot of drugs, like you know medicine. Um, that's part of the whole thing is that you take all these medicines so you can help people. Um, I did the same thing, like not medicine, but when we would go, we would take supplies for the school. Like you were expected to take an entire suitcase full of supplies. And the other thing with this is Tessa mentioned that uh, hers cost like $3,000 to do it. The, these are companies that are what they call, uh, they're volunteer companies. And people can donate, and if they donate over two hundred fifty dollars to you, they get they get to donate that money tax free. And so, a lot of uh, like our trip that we have, we have an organization where we put on a dinner to raise money to buy the drugs. Uh, 
many of the women and men that come with us, students that come with us, will have friends and family pay, you know, donate money for their trips. So you can do that. So a lot of these trips can be can be relatively uh, inexpensive. I just kind of what I'd really encourage you to look into this if you have any interest. I know there's some of those that are listening that have this interest to do it. And you kind of say, how do you do it? Well, you just kind of dive in on the internet and start looking at uh, different groups that do some things. There's some, there's some tricks to me. It took me a long time to select a group that I would go. The first thing is if, uh, what's that movie where they say you follow the money anyway, you, you follow the money, you know, you look at their statements and that. And if you pay $300 to go on a trip, how much goes to organization, how much goes to the people where you're going. And we had an organization, our organization that goes to Honduras, all the money goes <laughs> to the trip. There's nobody that's getting paid to run anything. Um, and that's one of the things that you can look at and kind of uh, go by word by mouth and find out uh, uh, what you want to do. The other thing is kind of how much risk do you want to do? You know, I mean, are you going to a stable country or are you going to a country that uh, is less stable? And you can find that out by you can actually look on the website for the U.S. government. And they will tell you how stable the country is. I mean, I'm still, and that's another, I actually suggest this, even if you're traveling for not very long, you can sign up for, um, like, email notifications from the U.S. government. Yeah, where they have disasters They have disasters. But even, like, they say even little things. Like, when we were in Russia... There was an election going on, and so, like, they would email us if there was riots somewhere or, like, a big political rally, and so they'd say, like, stay away from this area, um, which is nice. But, I mean, when you say, like, unstable countries, too, like, I remember when I was going to China, um, or, well, mostly when I was going to Russia, people were terrified, and it... It's, I think, a little scarier now than it was 10 years ago. Um, And I just, like, before I went, I heard horror stories about just, like, all these people had had horrible experiences. But we made good decisions. You know, we we didn't, we were never alone at night. Like, we, we did things the best we could. And things usually work out. And I know yeah. you've had experiences like that. We've had we've had amazing experiences. And that's the other thing with this, you know, whether you're religious or not, I'm religious, so I've had witnesses of, you know, if you're doing good and you're trying to help humanity, God takes care of you. And uh, the person that is with that we go to is a very is a Catholic woman that has a lot of faith and she believes that will be protected. And I believe that there's times that her faith has, uh, has protected us, you know, because we're trying to do uh, good things. Um, I would encourage you to find a group or an organization um, that uh, will do this. The LDS offshoots of the LDS Church have organizations and things like this um, all over the world. There's... Um, uh, Catholic programs. There's also a lot of independent groups that go do these. There's medical 
educational, uh, all kind of things that you can participate in. Well, and I think, you know, it's an interesting point for me. You know, I, I did this mostly because I wanted to see the world, you know, not because I wanted to um, help serve. serve, which was fine and it worked out, you know, and I think. But you still served. Sure. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I did. Super wealthy so. kids. Super wealthy kids. Were the Russians super wealthy too? They were pretty wealthy. They have to pay for the program. So not like, not all of them were wealthy, I guess, but they, they're not poor. Like, you know what I mean? Like when you say humanitarian, I think a lot of times people are thinking like you're helping at an orphanage and sometimes you are, but sometimes those programs um, aren't really great either. So I would like, you need to look into the program and talk to some people that have done it. Um, you know, that have done the program, see what they think. That's what I would suggest. I've, uh, I went, did a trip to Thailand. That was a really great experience up into the mountains, uh, taking care of some, the mountain people, the Hmong people up there, and that was a really fabulous experience. Dominican Republic, I did a trip to do that there. Uh, in June, I'm going to Guatemala. So there's also humanitarian uh, things around here, like volunteer, volunteer, like hundreds of thousands of people volunteered to help the COVID vaccine. That's humanitarian. If there's there's groups that do those sort of things, and if you're interested, uh, there's a way to to get involved. I really encourage uh, those that are in Tessa's situation that are graduating from college or something to to get involved that way. You know, before you get your family and that. Uh, I had to kind of wait until the kids were a little gr- more grown up before I did some of these trips. You know. Well, yeah. I mean, I think. Um, doing anything super hard. Um, like I, one of the, the val, one of the big valuable things I learned about going and living in China and Russia at 20 and 21 years old was that I can do really hard things. And I think about that a lot, um, of like, well, I lived in Russia by myself, you know, like I can do this. Um, and I think that that's really valuable. And, you know, the same with you. You led a couple of these trips to um, Honduras. And I think that gave you a lot of confidence to be able to do other trips. Yeah. You know, and and some of these trips, the experiences we had to Honduras in particular, were pretty scary. There were a couple of incidences where, where it was... Uh, it was tuck and go, you know, you didn't really know if you were going to make it to the destination, but again, somehow things work out. And if it doesn't, another alternative will go and everybody ends up there eventually. But, uh, you have to be willing to take some risks. We had this last trip we had two years ago before the COVID, we had somebody get a viral disease that, uh, a chukamunga or whatever it's called that really put her on her back for a week after she got back. So, so, you know, I mean, th- things things can, can happen even when you do all the precautions. So, anyway, that's kind of what, anything else you want to talk about that, that you can think of? Do you want to talk about your amazing first aid kits that you make when you travel? Uh, 
I think one of the things that's very important is to get a good first aid kit. And your first aid kits probably won't be like mine, but <laughs> but I, I think, uh, you know, um, there's a there's a group called, um, uh, what is it, Adventure, Wilderness Adventure group that have, it's an ER doc to put together some kits. And they've got... Uh, ointments and pills and stuff and what i do is i when tessa went to russia and china and also when my daughter lived in ecuador i put together there a kit that had everything that i could foresee you know eye drops uh, band-aids uh, antibiotics uh, uh, anti-diarrheal stuff and you won't have available to get maybe some antibiotics but if you do some trips like these humanitarians or you're going for four or five months, I recommend that you go to a travel medicine doctor or a doctor that's familiar with travel and have him help you put together a kit that has the type of things, anti-diarrheal, anti-nausea. Um, and some of them you can get. You and some, know, some of the some, things you can get, good bad days I mean, and stuff I would like suggest that. having... Um, even like Benadryl in case you have an allergic reaction allergic to something. Reaction. You know, even just basic Well, Benadryl things. is also anti-nausea. So, yeah. I mean, it's – and what I do is I try to use pills that have four or five different – that can be used in different ways. So. And it was – I mean, I used it over and over again. Um, one night – I don't know how I got it, but I got an eye infection – and so I called dad. It was middle of the night for me. I think it was in the day here. But and he's like, "Oh, you have." I said, "Go to your kit. <laughs> you, you have, have what this you need medicine. Already. Do these drops because I knew what was in her kit. And I think it's really important to have a really good first aid kit. We may do later on uh, sometime uh, talk totally about travel medicine, which is my passion." which is an extremely interesting field, particularly when we've just gone through a pandemic. So, yes. you know, it's it's a very, very fascinating, uh, amazing field. And, and that has fueled my passion for travel, uh, certainly. But uh, get yourself a good kit. Uh, they're available online. Um, again, if you're going like to China or Russia or maybe Honduras with some of these things, uh, you're going to have to make sure your vaccines are up to date. And so go to somebody that can help you and advise, advise you on making sure you have the right vaccines. And a lot of times, depending on, I mean, in order for me to get a visa, I had to get, like for Russia, I had to get an AIDS test. So like there's just stuff like that where... Did you have to get uh, Japanese encephalitis? I can't remember. I don't think so. I, you made me get a rabies vaccine. Though. Yeah, we did a rabies vaccine because of China. Yeah. So. Dad likes to bring up this all the time. He brings up this story all the time. <laughs> so I we we're on vacation in China, and I get really brave around water. I don't know. I'm not brave about anything else. But we jumped off this 30-foot bridge into this river. 
And Dad likes to tell me how stupid it was because well, I could have gotten sick. Here I am, a travel medicine doctor, sitting there, and I'm watching this video of Tessa jumping into one of the dirtiest rivers in the world. You don't know that. Yeah, I do know it. I know what river it was. I looked it up. And, and like, then I said, Dad, would you have done it? And he's like, well, yeah. <laughs> I probably would have, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I'm like, well, what are we yeah. talking about? But I was fine. I survived. I had vaccines up to date. But that's the point when you go on some of these places that are a little more dangerous. There, you, you really have to be smart. Yeah. You know, we we had a group. Uh, we had a group that was going out at night kind of to the bars and stuff. And the lady that we were staying with says, you know, you're going to some really shady places. And so she talked to us and that. And so she went out and bought s- some beers and kind of had the bar at our place where we were staying so that we wouldn't, there wouldn't be more high risk, you know? So you you need to do, you need to do smart things. People that travel abroad do tend to do crazy things, but we can talk about that more when we talk about travel medicine. So, but that's, I really recommend you to don't be afraid to do have some of these experiences. They're some of the richest and most beautiful experiences I've had in my life. You know, um, we, I think we've mentioned before, I lived in New Zealand in the northern part of New Zealand with the more poor part of the New Zealanders up with the Maori, Modi, as they say it. And it was just a really enriching, wonderful experience. And to not have that as part of my experience, that would be really a sad thing. So that was less humanitarian. That was more a job, but it's, it's kind of the same thing. So. Well, there you go. Any closes? Are we, we good on that one? I think so. Sweet. Well, there you go. Humanitarian. Dad, the Dad's humanitarian trips on purpose and mine kind of accidentally. Well. There you have it. I also go, you know, I like to go to places where I like to go. Well, yeah. You know, I mean, if it's a South American or Central America, I'm probably more, more you know, would like to go there than some others. But uh, I've sought out some groups, and I'm hoping that I'll still have the health to be able to go to some of these places in the next few years. So I'm sure you will. Yep. All right, so there you have it. That's that's it for Midnight Queso today. Until next time. 